0: You're listening to the Option Alpha Podcast from OptionAlpha.com, where we show you how to make smarter trades, learn how the stock market really works, and generate consistent monthly income. income. Now, your host and head trader at OptionAlpha.com, Kirk Duplusses.
1: Hey everyone, this is Kirk here again from OptionAlpha.com, working every single week to make this the most popular podcast offered in iTunes and online because it's based on one thing. And one thing only, and that's helping you guys make smarter trades. So again, thanks so much for tuning in to today. On today's episode, we are going to be talking about the big rocks that every trader needs to focus on or should be a priority if you are trading options. And the whole concept around big rocks, we'll kind of explain here and why we talk about big rocks versus maybe say small rocks. But I think it's an interesting analogy if you haven't heard it before. I'm assuming many of you have, but it's a good reminder as to why we need to focus on some of these big rocks in trading. Before I get into that, I still have a lot of people who don't know that we do have another podcast that we are running simultaneously with this weekly podcast, which you're listening to right now, which is our daily podcast and it's a much shorter form podcast, maybe five or six minutes. I guess some of the episodes I think go as long as ten minutes. So much shorter form podcasts and a kind of audio episode experience called The Daily Call. And I think it's a really catchy title that and name that actually one of our members came up with. We had a contest about it a while back. So it's called The Daily Call. You can search for it in any of the platforms that you listen to your podcast, whatever you're listening to. Right now, if you're listening on Google Play or iTunes or iHeartRadio or Stitcher, wherever, you can find the Daily Call Podcast and go ahead and subscribe to that one too because we get into some of the more nitty-gritty topics that don't take a lot of time to you know go over, doesn't really necessarily need a 30-minute or 45-minute podcast and answer a lot of questions. So a lot of questions that have been submitted over the last couple months we've been answering and we're just literally ticking away at those every single day. So I record those every single day just a couple minutes to keep you on pace, keep you consistent, build a habit around trading options. So, again, check out our daily call podcast if you haven't already. All right, so on today's show, like I said, we're gonna be talking about these big rocks. So, why big rocks? What's the whole idea behind this? Well, you probably heard this, I don't know if it's a story or analogy, but I think it's a professor that originally said we need to fill up a jar and we start with big rocks, right? So, if we're gonna fill up a jar and we wanna fill it up all the way, we start by putting in the big rocks first. They take up the most amount of space, right? And so you put in all these big rocks and they fill up the jar, but there's still some lingering space around that, right? And so you take much smaller rocks and now you fill up the jar with smaller rocks, okay? And that that really fills up and it looks like it's really full now, but it's not. There's still a lot of empty space and voids. So now you start pouring sand in the jar, right? And so now you pour sand in this jar and it's, you know, surrounds all these little rocks and all these big rocks and kind of fills every empty space but not really because there's still little, little tiny spaces in between the grains of sand. So now you pour water in the jar and that truly fills it up all the way. So that's this whole concept that we're talking about here is what are these big rocks that we have to do first that take up the most amount of space and are the most important to filling up our jar or basically trading successfully with options. Like what are the big things that we have to do? We can then fill in all the little things and all the little things that kind of come after this. these topics that we talk about in the podcast are all things that will enhance our portfolio, will make us a little bit better or a little bit more stable or reduce drawdowns or increase the win rate. But it's the big rocks that we have to take care of first. You can't do the big rocks after you do everything else. Oftentimes what I've said too is I think that people treat trading like buying a really crappy car and then trying to give it a sweet paint job. (laughs) I've often used the analogy on webinars and coaching sessions that somebody buys a 1983, no offense if you have a 1983 Honda, but You buy a 1983 Honda Accord, which is a really crappy car, probably has 200, 300,000 miles on it at this point, but then you take it to some place and you get a really cool paint job, new wheels, and you really make it look sweet, right? It's totally, you know, blinged out, it's looking hot, but it's still a really crappy car underneath, right? So no matter how much lipstick you put on that pig, it's not ever gonna change, it's still basically a pig. So what I wanna do today is make sure that we get back to the core, back to the root These big rocks, these things that you have to focus on first, you take care of these, a lot of other things will generally fall in place or you don't have to worry about as much. So stop trying to reverse or stop trying to do all this stuff in reverse and take care of all these things that you think you should be taking care of without taking care of these basically seven things first. So today we're going to talk about seven things I think you should be taking care of the seven big rocks as we go through this. Of course, if you guys have questions or follow ups, just let us know. Everything will be in the show notes page at optionalpha.com/show one two two. That's just the number one twenty two. Optionalpha.com/show one two two. So the first thing that we obviously have to talk about, and you probably saw this coming if you've been listening to any of our stuff over the last couple of years, is position size. Position size has to be the number one thing. And yet, even though I preach on this and I probably say position size 50 times a day, whether I'm talking to someone or writing emails, it still remains something that nobody does. I mean, like a lot of people, okay, let's say a lot of you do it, but a lot of you don't actually. Some people just are like, yeah, I get you Kirk, I hear you on position size, keep it small. But you're not actually going through the steps to calculate your position size. You don't really know if I came up to you and said, what's your max position size if you were at one or two or three or four or 5%. Not a lot of people would know that number, and you should know exactly what that number is. Now, we say 1% to 5% per ticker. That's your max risk. So if you have an option trade where you have the opportunity to make $100, but it could lose $500, you want to base your risk off of the $500 that you could lose in that ticker. Now, you do two different trades in that ticker. And same basic setup, you could make a hundred or lose five hundred. But now you've got two different positions, so now you could lose a thousand dollars total in that ticker. Well, now you base it off of the thousand dollars that you could lose in that ticker. So it's all based on the ticker that you're trading: SPY, Facebook, Google, Apple, Tesla, whatever it is. All based on the ticker. That means you can take your position size and break it down from there into smaller and smaller chunks. So if your max position size in any ticker is $5,000, you can break that down into say five trades, five different trades of $1,000 of risk and start you know spreading the trade out over time and laddering into different positions. But it's all coming down to that core position size. And look, back in February, a lot of people learned this lesson the hard way and it's gonna happen again. And it will happen all the time until people actually learn their lesson. You have to control position size. Probably the biggest rock that we'll throw into this jar is position size. Now number two here is frequency. Frequency is an interesting topic for me because at my core, I understand the importance of frequency in trading, so much so that I never get rocked by markets anymore. I really don't, I, I think I've developed over the years a very, very thick skin, a rough skin for market frequency and market volatility. Because what I know is that when you increase the frequency of your trades over time and you start selling more and more contracts over time, Market direction becomes meaningless, and I truly say this in all confidence, the market direction is meaningless to you when your frequency and when your entries are high enough. Let's take one end of the extreme. If you were only given a chance to trade one time per year, that one opportunity, that one time that you trade has all the weight of the world on it. Are you directionally bullish at that one time? Did you pick a bottom? Did you pick a top? How are you setting up your trade? If you only gave yourself one opportunity every single year, again, on the furthest end of the spectrum, then that one opportunity is the most important thing that you should be focusing on. You have to get that one opportunity right. But when you trade multiple times a week, multiple times a month, and then throughout the year, you're trading hundreds of positions and contracts, then each individual position or each individual contract carries less weight. And what you start to do is you start to gravitate towards the expected probabilities and the expected outcome. So if you should be hitting 70% winners, give yourself enough opportunities to get to 70% winners. Don't think that it's going to happen in the first 10 or 20 trades because you don't know what the sequence of returns are going to be for those, those positions. So the more often you trade the better success you're gonna have and the more market direction becomes meaningless because over time, you'll just average around the market. The market goes up, you add new positions. The market goes down, you add new positions, right? Could it sting when you have that initial move higher or initial move lower? Of course, but it always averages out and gets basically averaged into the overall expected moves. You should lose on some positions. You should not win on every position or you're not taking on enough risk and you're not trading with enough capital. But over time, frequency prevails. Number three here is option selling. So another big rock besides just position size and frequency, because you could do this in any trade that you do, is you have to be an option seller. We've talked at nausea about why we have to be option sellers and the uh, Ivy expected premium that's in the marketplace. This premium that presents itself only after you've held positions from entry through either expiration or exit. So implied volatility is always overstated long term. Now I say long term just as another reminder that that doesn't mean that it can't be understated in short term periods where let's say we had in February, everyone was expecting nothing to happen basically in February and then we got this huge volatility event. Now, we were positioned well for this in the sense that we had small position sizes, but volatility went through the roof, right? And probably during that period, when we go back and reanalyze it, once we get through 30- and 60-day you know, time periods to look at all the contracts, I'd probably guarantee that that period we saw implied volatility or actual volatility much higher than people expected, right? But that's exactly the period that we need to happen all the time to keep this whole system honest. Because now, moving forward, people are expecting or now looking out for another big move in the market and we may not get it. In fact, that's what we've had basically since February all the way through March is we've had everyone expecting huge volatility, huge moves in underlying stocks, and generally things haven't gone anywhere. And that has given us an opportunity because we traded through February and we traded through March to continue to add positions and generate some income. And that's what we need to do. We have to be selling options. So you have to do this on a long-term basis. We know that IV is always overstated. It just doesn't present itself until expiration. You have have to wait for that IV over expectation to mature. It doesn't happen immediately on trade entry because, on trade entry, when you first place your trade, you're basing it, and that trade is based in price off of the expectation at that moment. It's just after time that people realize, and the market's then correct for the fact that implied volatility is overstated. So it requires a little bit of patience to be an option seller and it requires, again, some thick skin to let the market kind of move against you in some cases and push you a little bit and you got to push back, right? But it's what we have to do if we want to generate money because option buying is a losing proposition. I'm like, we have done so much research on this. There are very few opportunities where option buying works and it's still a very, very lucky trade to try to buy options. Number four here is you've got to keep your portfolio balanced. So when we get back to talking about option selling, it can't be a one directional strategy anymore. It blows my mind that people still only think in terms of buying stock and nothing else. I talk to people all the time. In fact, I'm like fascinated by this when people ask me what I do and I start talking about options trading and then they're like, oh, well, I bought this stock because I think it's going to go up. I'm like, you know, that's not the only thing you can do, right? That There's, there's more tricks to this pony than just buying stock and hoping everything goes up. So when you start trading options, you have the beautiful opportunity to create a balanced portfolio, a portfolio that makes money in any direction within a range. And that's what we want to try to do all the time. Remember, we don't care where the market goes. I want to be in a position where if the market goes higher or lower or stays the same, I generally have an opportunity to make money. I don't want to make directional bets because I'm terrible at making directional bets. So is everyone else, right? There's nothing that really, really helps us out with making directional bets. So let's stay generally neutral for everything that we have. And let's always come back and revisit our portfolio balance. Today we're going to talk about that in the closing bell segment where we talk about trade that we added in the queues because it helped get us to a more balanced portfolio. Now, it doesn't necessarily mean it was a trade that I would feel I would make because maybe I feel the market's going down or maybe I felt the queues are going to continue lower, but it's not. what I thought it's what my portfolio needed. And I have to be, I have to remove my emotions from that and realize that I need to make trades that are good for my portfolio, that are not good for my ego, because I want to be right in something happening, right? All right, so number five here is you have to diversify your underlings. So we've talked about position size frequency, why you've got to be an option seller, why you need to have a balanced portfolio. The next logical step is you can't do all of this on one or two different ETFs or contracts. You have to diversify the underlyings that you're trading. You have to trade uncorrelated as much as possible securities. Now, we've done podcasts on this before where you can look up betas and start looking at correlation matrices and tables But the underlying theme here is try to have a little bit of everything in your portfolio. If I even just look, I'm just like going to click through my portfolio right now so I can kind of see this in, in real time here. But if I even look at my April expirations, which are generally full, like we've got a pretty good portfolio going for April. We've got DIA, which is a major market ETF. We've got EEM, which is emerging markets, EFA, another emerging market. EWY which is South Korea, FXI which is China, GDX which is gold, OIH which is oil, XOP which is an oil and gas ETF, XLU which is utilities, TLT which is bonds, the Qs, SPY, right, another major market indexes. XRT, which is a retail XLE, which is an energy. I mean, like we have a little bit of everything. We got XHB, which is a home home building ETF. Like we're trying to spread out our risks so that we're not consolidated in any one industry ETF sector. Right. We're trying to spread this out and diversify. Now, there's no magic formula for this. There's nothing that says you have to do five of these and you have to do 10 of these and you got to do this. Right. Like don't overcomplicate this. The idea here is to spread it out so that you're trading a lot of different tickers. Now, what I like to do is if, you know, like in generally, I like to have like 10 to 15 different tickers, right? Given the like perfect opportunity, I'd like to spread it out over 10 to 15 different tickers, but I'll rotate these tickers based on which ones have highest implied volatility. For example, GDX, we just started trading last month because it started to have higher implied volatility. We haven't traded it for a while. And then we actually traded last year a lot, early last year in 2017, just the back half of 2017, low volatility, didn't trade a lot. So we focused on something else. We started moving our focus and again, diversifying across different tickers, but maybe we don't include gold this time around, right? So again, it's not about getting to an exact number. You don't have to get to 15 tickers. It's just about spreading the risk out over these different tickers. So no one ticker controls your whole portfolio, which is what you have to do anyway if you want to keep to our 1% to 5% threshold that we talk about. Number six is have directional ignorance. So we've talked about this a little bit, but I really think it's its own category in and of itself. Please be ignorant to the market direction. Don't assume you know where the market's going. A lot of times, so many times that I can't even count anymore on hands, toes, my hands, toes, my daughter's hands and toes. I cannot even count the times where the market has, or an ETF, has risen dramatically just to completely turn around three days before expiration, right? Unthinkable moves, moves that we never thought would happen, happen all the time. You have to be ignorant to the market direction. Don't ever assume that what you see right now is the new standard because there is no standard in the market. The market is always evolving. It's always changing and it will always throw you through a loop. So why don't we just assume that that's going to happen anyway and build positions and build trades that focus on the things that we can control. Like probability of success, position sizing, portfolio balance, the tickers we can choose, right? Like let's focus on those things and be totally like just forget where the market goes at that point. Don't assume the market's going to go anywhere. Don't assume that you know what's going on and other people don't because I'm telling you you're going to be wrong. And that also means that if something moves against you, don't arbitrarily close it out just for the sake of closing it out. We've done numerous podcasts and have numerous case studies that prove that stop losses create more losing trades. Be a trader that has thick skin, that has the flexibility to let a trade go against you and let it come all the way all the way back around. The case study in this one here is our IWM trade that we made uh, basically last year in November. We made a trade in IWM last year in November, had to carry and roll the trade three times. And everyone said, this is stupid. It's all the way at max loss. But we kept rolling for a credit. Like So if we're going to roll for a credit, we're just going to extend the trade. And that was when IWM was at 160. We needed it to be at 145. And look, I'm not going to say that that wasn't a lucky move, lucky air fingers quotes that happened where the markets dropped in February from 160 to 145 in the IWM, but that happens all the time. It happens all the time. TLT, GLD, OIH. I've got numerous case studies that show every single time the markets have these huge ebbs and flows. You just have to be patient enough to hold on to them. Now, could it have gone completely higher and never looked back? Of course. But if we were rolling for credits, rolling for duration, why not? Right? We give ourselves an opportunity to be right. That's what I'm talking about. Don't assume that just because the market's high, it's going to stay high. Don't assume because the market's low, it's going to stay low. We've seen this all the time where we have huge rallies, huge peaks and troughs. You have to be agnostic to market direction. All right, so number seven here, number seven, and probably the most important one, is consistency. So all of this stuff sounds great, but it doesn't work. Promise you, will not work unless you stick with it. So you can't do everything that we talked about. And people get really excited about options trading. They go through all of our training. They're like, yes, let's do it. And they jump in. And they jump in feet first, both hands, right? everything, Full body immersion into trading for two months. And then they quit. Or three months and then they quit. And they just burn out. Please don't burn out. Realize right now, it's a long race. This is not an overnight get rich quick type of thing. This is a long-term wealth building system. It takes... Sometimes years and lots of trades to really see this pay off, but it's totally worth it. And so you have to make sure that you can be consistent in doing these things every single week and every single month because that's what it takes. Now, we also recognize that this is a major hurdle for people to go, to jump over. I talked about this last year at this point before anything even happened on the back end of Option Alpha, but I knew that this is a hurdle that you guys have to jump over because it's a hurdle that I had to jump over early, hence why I started doing Option Alpha and continue to run it to this day. It keeps me consistent because I have to come back here to you guys and explain what I do and I have to make trades, right? I mean, that's part of the reason why I keep running Option Alpha is because it makes me a better trader. But I know that time commitment and consistency is a huge hurdle to cross over, which is why in the next, call it 30 to 60 days, however fast we can get this thing out to you guys, we're going to be releasing our auto trading software. And our auto trading software is revolutionary. It is revolutionizing this entire industry because nobody has this, no broker, no hedge fund, nobody has the ability to auto trade options for both entries trade adjustments, exits, basically the sky is the limit as far as what you can create and what you can think up in our auto trading software. So now we can take everything that we just talked about and all of these concepts and build them into a bot that does this automatically for us and removes the time and consistency commitment that is so hard for many people to do. I get that many people come to me and a lot of people who end up canceling their membership at Option Alpha never cancel. Like everyone always says, it's not you, it's me. Like it's it's not you. Like I love the training. I just can't keep up with it. I have, you know, obligations. I just, I can't do it. I can't keep up with it. And I think they can, but they're just giving in or quitting, right? But this eliminates that need to have you there sitting in front of the screen, manually looking for, clicking, entering, exiting, adjusting trades. And it's going to be a little bit of a learning curve for sure because new technology like this and new software like this is not necessarily gonna be what you're used to. You're used to, and everyone's used to, for the last umpteen years, doing everything manually. And now we're gonna be able to build bots and templates for you that you can easily clone and get going, and you're gonna be like, that was so easy, there's almost something missing. right? Like, there I have to be doing more work than this, right? But I think what you'll find is that you'll find when you start getting into auto trading, when it goes out, that it does help you become more consistent. It removes the time commitment that's required before you start making trades and managing and monitoring those trades on an ongoing basis. And I'm super excited about it. We'll have more details about it. Obviously, as we get much closer to releasing the auto trading software, you can always catch up on ideas and feedback that I've been posting and screenshots on our Facebook page. If you just go to Option Alpha inside of Facebook. But again, we're really excited about this. I think This is a huge hurdle that people have to cross over and hopefully we'll basically eliminate this time commitment through the use of these auto trading bots that we've developed and will be releasing soon. So again, just to re go through the list that we talked about here today, these seven big rocks that you should, or that should be a priority for every options trader, number one, keeping your position size in check. Number two, increasing the frequency in which you're trading. Number three, always be an option seller. Number four, having a balanced portfolio. Number five, diversifying your underlyings. Number six, having directional ignorance. And number seven is having consistency through auto trading. So hopefully this has been really helpful and let's get into the trader Q&A segment.
0: And now our favorite part of the show, Trader Q&A, where we ask a question from one of our current members about options trading. Got a question you'd like to ask Kirk to answer live on the air? Just head on over to optionalpha.com forward slash ask and hit the record button to leave a message. That's optionalpha.com forward slash ask. And now here's today's question. Hi, Kirk and the Options Alpha community. My name is Chris. I've just signed up for a pro membership. I've been trading options small time since 2009 and have been pretty successful for my account size. My life circumstances have changed a lot recently, both for good and bad. Part of the good is that I have considerably more money to trade with. Part of the bad is that I've lost all other sources of income. So it's time to get serious. My questions today are a bit in the weeds. I have a very good understanding of why we sell premium in high IV environments. I also understand that, generally speaking, implied volatility overstates reality, or historical volatility. What I'm curious about is the ratio between IV and HV. It would seem to me that we would be wise to look for underlyings that have a high IV to HV ratio, as it would seem to indicate that options are generally priced farther above reality, giving us a greater edge. What little I've found on this topic has seemed to indicate it's a valuable metric. Has the OA team done any research on this? Is there any actual value to this metric? And do you know that we a way we can get this metric on a trading platform? Thank you so much for your time and
1: effort and everything that you put into educating the options community. We I know we all appreciate it. All right. Hey, Chris, thank you so much for submitting a question here. I appreciate it. And so again, the ratio between IV and historical IV, there's no real value or metric that can be tracked on a live, ongoing basis right now during like current market environments. The reason is, is because IV now is forward-looking, say, 30 days, if you're looking at a 30-day IV. So there's no way to know, at least right now, so if there is a way to future predict where the market is going to be in 30 days, let me know. But there's no way to know right now what historical volatility will be in 30 days, meaning what actual volatility will be in 30 days from now. When you look at historical volatility on any broker platform or any platform that you're using to get the data from, that's always backward looking from today's date. But Ivy is always forward looking. So that's why they don't always mesh up. And in fact, there's this lag based on the timing of the IV. So if you're looking at 30-day IV, there's going to be a 30-day lag between the time that they mesh up and kind of like overlap for the right dates. So there's ways to get these data points, but you have to adjust them. And you have to adjust them based on the parameters that we just talked about. So if you do have a platform where you can get IV or historical volatility in either case, you have to make sure that you line them up so that they are truly overlapping the exact same time frame. say January to January 31st, right? Like January 1 to January 31st. You have to make sure they're overlapping. In some cases, what we've had to do when we scrub data and buy data, we've had to shift those basically dates so that they line up. So if implied volatility January 1st was expecting a 10% move, we got to see, okay, over that 30-day period, did we get a 10% move or not, right? Now, there's value to this metric in the sense that if you look back historically against most ETFs and most stocks, what you will see is that some have or trade around an expectation percentage, say 6% in the case of the Dow is an average one where the Dow IV is usually always 6% on average, higher than historical volatility. So that's the spread or the edge that can be maybe gained out of the Dow. Some other ETFs and tickers might be higher or lower than this. But I think knowing that metric in and of itself is probably all the value that you can get because you know that it's present. You know that it's there. You know, it can be basically taken advantage of through option selling. It's just a matter of time to get enough trades on, to get enough positions through to realize that profit potential. So, hopefully, this helps out. Hopefully, this answers the question here for you today. So, again, if you guys would like to get your question answered here on the podcast or live on Facebook, as we've been doing pretty much every single day, or on our daily call that we do every single day as well head on over to optionalpha.com slash ask and click the big red button in the middle of the screen and leave me a private voicemail. Remember, there's no software to download or install. It's really super easy, and it's first come, first serve. Now, before we get into the closing bell segment, again, I want to let you guys know a little bit more about our special podcast that we're doing, which is our daily call, so you can get to it at optionalpha.com slash daily call. We're doing a very quick little audio segment every single day three, five, seven minutes long and tops, like answers a question or answers or clarifies a topic about options trading. So again, if you haven't already, please head on over there, subscribe to The Daily Call as well. Pick and choose which ones you want. I mean, like there's a lot in there. You don't have to listen to them all. But you can pick and choose and look for the topics that interest you. And of course, we're always looking for feedback and questions. We've got lots of days ahead of us to continue to do this. So we'd love your feedback and support. Any questions that you want to hear answered on the daily call, just email them over or post them on Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, wherever you follow us online
0: now. The Closing Bell. Find out which stocks we're looking at right now, trades we're making, and hear our game plan moving forward. forward.
1: All right. So in today's Closing Bell segment, I want to go through a trade that we just made in the Qs. So ticker symbol QQQ, which is the NASDAQ ETF, basically attracts tech, in the queues we made a bullish credit spread trade. So we sold the 160 puts and bought the 155 puts for May expiration. In fact, this was our first position that we got into for May expiration, our first May position overall, which May is about 59 days out. And, and we like to get into positions or at least start tiptoeing into positions around 60 days for the next contract month out. So we've got a lot of positions in April for April expiration. That's kind of full already. We'll continue to add to that maybe here and there, but we really want to start kind of building out that next level or next expiration period portfolio out of May. So we got into this bullish put credit spread in the queues. Now, why do we get into this? Well, the first reason that we got into it is because implied volatility in the queues has been a little bit elevated. It just had a pretty big sell-off here, mostly news on Facebook and some of the other tech areas that kind of caused the markets to go down by over 2%. So implied volatility jumped from around the 20th rank to around 45. So it's still not insanely high, but it's definitely higher than where it's been over the past couple of weeks and so we want to take advantage of that by selling some options. Now, why go directionally bullish? Well, I'm not, as I mentioned earlier in the podcast, I'm not too keen on necessarily going bullish here, like my personal gut feeling is that maybe the markets go higher, but I have to be ignorant and pretend that I don't know what's going on because I really don't, that's just my personal opinion and personal feeling in my gut. Other people might see this chart and scream bullish, other people might see it and scream bearish. In either case, what our portfolio needs at this moment is another bullish position. We do have a good amount of bearish positions. We have a lot of premium that if the market does continue to fade lower, we can generate with the market fading lower. So we need to give ourselves a little bit more balance and actual bullish positions. So that's why we decided rather than do the iron butterfly, rather than do a credit call spread, which would have been an additional bearish position that we just don't need, we did the credit put spread, which gives us some exposure to option selling, which is what we want and also gives us exposure to the markets generally going higher, which is what our portfolio needs. Mm -hmm. Now, in this case, we set it up as a basically 30 delta put credit spread. So we sold the 30 delta puts. That's where we decided to sell the strikes at 160. That gives us at least a 70%, probably something higher, around 72% probability of success on this trade moving forward for May. And of course, we may ladder into additional positions later on. So, we only did a couple of contracts here. It's still early in the cycle. We're just starting to build out May expiration. So, keep the position size super small. Look for additional entries. And we obviously, if the markets do go down and we need to adjust, we can turn this into an iron butterfly or an iron condor later on. So, that's kind of like the next level, the next step if needed, and a little bit of forethought on possible adjustments in the future. So, hopefully, this helps out as always. And as always, if you guys want to get our trades that we send out, just sign up for a pro or lead membership on Option Alpha. We send out all the trades that we make, not just the ones that we cover uh, randomly here on the, the weekly podcast, but all of our opening, closing, adjusting trades. We always keep you guys updated with both email and text alerts.
0: Thanks for listening to the Option Alpha podcast. If you liked what you heard, please drop by iTunes and leave a rating or comment. Plus, you can get everything, free email updates for future shows, transcripts, video tutorials, case studies, and more. Just visit our website at optionalpha.com.
1: All right, so I truly hope you guys enjoyed today's show and got at least one thing out of it that you can apply right now to make you a smarter, more profitable trader and investor. As always, you can get additional resources, links mentioned in the show, and some related video training from today's show by going to optionalpha.com slash show one hundred and twenty two. Again, that's just the number 122, optionalpha.com slash show122. Until next time, happy trading.